This week on Comic Book Informer, Roger gets angry at clouds and Vince tries to placate him. What did those clouds ever do to you? They were assholes. Fair enough. <laughs> clouds are where snow comes from. This is true. So, yeah. <laughs> We've kind of hinted about this on Twitter for folks who are not aware. And we were – I was joking around because I had done the picture too for Civil War. And uh, so we're going to be having some fun with All Comics Considered. And we're going to kind of do some bouncing around of, of folks on podcast to have some fun. And, and, and we – I had the idea that we could make each other some bumpers as well for intros and exits for each other's podcast. Now – the thing is, when we talked about this, the impression that I had was that we were going to be playing around with the themes of the Civil War and whatnot and kind of playing on that. And and your example that you thought we would do kind of mirrored that idea. And then Marty sends over a whole crap load. And I mean a lot. There was 19 of them. Bumpers <laughs> and intros. But it's like a roast. <laughs> They are being nasty, mother. They're not being nice at all. And I was like, really? All of you? And it was just, yeah, they were downright mean. So I have gone back to edit the ones that I was going to record that were just going to be playful, playing on the theme of Civil War. And no. No more of that. <laughs> the gauntlet has been thrown. This is how it starts, Marty. This. <laughs> here, I'll play you another one. Hold on a second here. <laughs> Here's another one. Hey, Action Heroes. Do you want to check out a podcast that's got none of the intelligent discussion of all comics considered, but all the viewpoints of Reddit? Check out Comic Book Informer. Oh, that's I'm low. sure you'll agree. That is Screw low. you, Marty. <laughs> Okay, all right. I'm motivated. <laughs> and it's not just him. Comic book informer. Kind of like New York sliced pizza. You know, shallow, thin, tasteless. Oh. Nick. Oh. You son of a bitch. I expected better from him. So did. That's not even the nastiest one that he did. <laughs> I was like, I was going to not say na anything nasty about Nick because he's a nice guy. Apparently, only when he's dealing with his own crew. Son of a bitch. It's interesting when the mask is off. It really is. Asses. <laughs> what were we talking about this week? Uh, despite all that, I'm in a great mood. Ask me yeah. why. Why are you in a great mood, Roger? It's because of why I'm late. Go ahead. I don't think I want to continue this conversation. I'm going to be a granddad for the second time. Oh, wow. So, yeah, our uh, daughter was over with her husband and first granddaughter, and they're expecting another. So we're going to be grandparents yet again in December. So that is awesome. Yeah. So Congratulations to you good. and the rest of the family. So, yeah, it'll be good. I already told Karen that she should try not to be quite so nice <laughs> to this next one so that maybe I'll have one that likes me more. <laughs> She's already got this one that follows her around all over the place when she comes to visit. It'd be nice if I got one. 
until they're annoying. Then I just send them home anyways. It doesn't matter. <laughs> All right, I'm good to go. We can talk about comics now. <laughs> Uh, what did he say? This is issue two fifty nine on <laughs> April nineteenth, <laughs> and I had a really busy couple of weeks, so I haven't uh, had much time to read many extra comics. So we're just doing one of our famous grab bags. But before that, the world was kind enough to bless us with something else to talk about today, with the twenty sixteen Eisner nominees being announced today. Much like every other year. <laughs> I'm quite disappointed with many categories. <laughs> that said, uh, it, it, this is important because this year marks the most female nominees in the awards history. So credit where it's due. There's seems to be quite a bit more diversity coming into the Eisners because the last few years haven't been so good on that front. Yep. So they're they're trying, so which is mm-hmm. good. Not running through the whole list, just going to touch on some of the top awards. Best Continuing Series, our nominees are Bandette by Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover, Giant Days by John Ellison, Lissa Tremaine, and Max Saren. Invincible gets a nominee from Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley, and Cliff Rathburn. Silver Surfer by Dan Slott, Michael Allred, and Southern Bastards by Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. I, I said before how much I enjoy Southern Bastards. We both love Invincible, and I agree it's probably deserving of it this year because the past year of storytelling they've been doing there is some of the best they've ever done. Uh, Silver Surfer, not our thing, but a lot of people love it. Heard great things about Bandette, but uh, Giant Days is a new one for me. No. It, it's easy for us to talk about Silver Surfer based on the first few issues that we read and mm-hmm. what we thought about it. But have you actually gone back and read any others afterwards? It, for me, like, I just don't like Allred's art. Oh, so trust me. I e- agree with you even, on that. Even if the stories have become more interesting, it's it's not my cup of tea. Yeah. I Just because it's slot, I've thought often of going back and reading him to see whether or not it is something that I, I could get behind regardless of the art, but I never get There's always something else to read that I really, mm. really want to read. So I, I haven't gone back. So I honestly don't know whether or not the series is deserving of this or not. So, well, yeah. Uh, best limited series, Chrononauts by Mark Millar and Sean Murphy. The Fade Out by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Lady Killer by Joelle Jones and Jamie S. Rich. Minimum Wage, So Many Bad Decisions by Bob Fingerman. And The Spire, which we enjoyed by Cy Spurrier and Jeff Stokely. Please don't give it to Malar. Oh, God. <laughs> Best new series. Bitch Planet Gets the Nom by Kelly Sue DeConnick and Valentin Delandro. Harrow County by Cullen Bunn and Tyler Crook. Kaiju Max by Xander Cannon. Monstrous by Marjorie Liu and Santa Takeda. Paper Girls, Brian K. Vaughn and Cliff Chang. And a big surprise for me, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl by Ryan North and Erica Henderson. How does that fit in there? I, I don't know. I've read it. Not all of it. And granted, again, it's one of those. Not all who of is one it issue. for? <laughs> but man, this one here for me is kind of a no-brainer. As much as I absolutely adore monsters and can appreciate the other ones, Bitch Planet deserves it. Not just because of how exceptionally well written it is, but how important I feel it is. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, scrolling a bit down the list here. Uh, digital web comic still needs to be split into two awards because digital comics and web comics are no longer the same thing. But again, we have Bandette, Paul Tobin and Colleen Coover, Fresh Romance by Janelle Eslin, Legend of Wonder Woman by Renee Delise, Lighten Up by Ronald Wimberly, and These Memories Won't Last by Stu Campbell. 
Don't wait for me. I haven't. No, I, I'm I don't have no list getting to the other awards I want to talk about. <laughs> Best writer, Jason Aaron for Southern Bastards, Men of Wrath, Doctor Strange, Star Wars, Thor. And I'm very upset they didn't include Weird World because that's freaking awesome. John Allison for Giant Days, Ed Brubaker for the Fade Out Velvet Criminal Special Edition, Marjorie Liu for Monstrous, and G. Willow Wilson for Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Willow Lots Wilson. of deserving writers. Yeah, but G. Willow Wilson should get it in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Best writer slash artist, Bill Griffith for Invisible Ink, My Mother's Secret Love Affair with a Famous Cartoonist. Okay. Nathan Hale. I need to read that based on the title alone. (laughs) It gets better. Nathan Hale for Nathan Hale's Hazardous Tales, The Underground Abductor. (laughs) Sidney Padua for The Thrilling Adventures of Lovelace and Babbage. Ed Piscor for Hip Hop Family Tree, Volume 3. And Noah Van Skyver for Font Bukowski, St. Cole. Based on titles alone, I want to read all of those. Yes. I'm not joking. Yes. <laughs> Stop making me read crap. Make me read some of these. <laughs> Best penciler inker or penciler inker team. Michael Allred for Silver Surfer and Art Ops. Cliff Chang for Paper Girls. Erica Henderson for Jughead and Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Noelle Jones for Lady Killer and Brides of Helheim. And Nate Powell for March Book Two many good artists missing from that list yeah and again the arts they're really dropping the ball this year as they do many years unfortunately best painter slash multimedia artist Federico bertolucci for love the tiger and love the fox colleen coover for bandette carita lupatelli for izuna dustin wen for descender and tony sandoval the glance backward the only one of those we've read is descender and it's gorgeous mm-hmm. best cover artist i'm gonna get angry <laughs> David Aja for Hawkeye, Karnak, and Scarlet Witch, an annual nominee. Raphael Albuquerque for Eight and Huck. Amanda Connor for Harley Quinn. Joelle Jones for Lady Killer and Brides of Helheim. And Ed Piscor for Hip Hop Family Tree. Who's missing from that list? Scotty Young. Who else is missing from that list? Who have we said all for the past year should have won it last year and better win it this year and isn't even nominated? Ramos. You're fired. <laughs> Mike Del Mundo for what he's done on Weird World, what he's done previously with the X-Men Legacy and stuff like that. His covers are monthly the most phenomenal things on the stand, and he's not even nominated this year. Bacalo. You know I'm right. <laughs> Bacalo is fantastic as well, yes. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> And that's all the uh, the major awards. I'm sure we'll cover the rest of the Eisners in more detail once the winners are announced at Comic-Con later this summer. Any parting thoughts there? There's even more this year that are kind of out of left field, mm-hmm. for me at least. I mean, we read a lot of comics. And again, it's very subjective. That's obvious kind of thing. But, uh, like, I mean, we've read a lot of stuff here that I kind of disappointed that we don't see here. But I mean, that's part of how it always is. At least we do have things like bitch planet, like monstrous a few times. And if it wasn't for bitch planet, my money would be on monstrous. Like that needs to be winning awards for writing and art. It's that spectacular. So it, it the is only, nice to see those. The only reason I would be a little hesitant about monstrous is this is keeping in mind what was published in 2015. And there was, I think two issues of monstrous that came out this year as fantastic as they were. I don't know if that's enough of a body of work to give an award based on, but that's uh, just my opinion. I disagree. 
because again, sometimes it is. I think we've gotten not not just spoiled by conditioned by these freaking mm-hmm. weekly or biweekly series that is too much. So if it takes a little bit longer to get a few issues out, whatever. If it looks like freaking monstrous does, it's worth it and it's worth the money. No, and, and it's just it's it's an interesting discussion though. Like I, I, I can see both sides of it. That's why I'm not completely against it, but it's not where my vote would go if there if I felt there was something else more deserving. Yeah. Again, though, just as a last statement, it's not about the body of work, but what has been put out and the quality mm-hmm. of that work. So when you look at it, whether it's two or twelve, it's the quality of what it is that you're reading. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just looking at it as let's say I have two that I feel are equal. I would rather give it to the one that's put out, you know, eight or ten issues as opposed to the one that's only had one or two. Mm, I don't. To me, there okay. is – out of those two, there will be one that you do prefer for whatever reason that may be, and that should be the one that justifiably gets it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm, I'm not judging anything. I, we've oh, said many, judging. many times we love it, which leading into our what we're reading grab bag, I might as well start off with Monstrous because <laughs> uh, have you been keeping up with it? I am one issue behind. It's funny because every time I read a new issue, it's like stuff like uh, Pretty Deadly or uh, East of West, a lot of Hickman stuff. Every time I read a new issue, I've forgotten what the hell happened in all the previous (laughs) ones. (laughs) Just because it's so much to wrap your head around. Like there is so much going on in Monstrous with the different species and the, the, the factions and all the characters and keeping track of this and that and the past. And never fails by about, you know, page eight or ten. I kind of get myself back into that mindset of, okay, this is who everybody is and where everything is supposed to be. And I'm still blown away. Like oh God, yeah. the amount of world building Marjorie Liu is doing here and continuing to do each issue, expanding upon what came before, not just, you know, focusing on, you know, character and telling more of that character story, but in telling of that character's backstory, it's expanding the entire world and giving us more fantastic creatures for Santa Takeda to draw, which is definitely a great thing. It is one of it's one of the best in terms of world building to create something that is so realized and yet still has room for those little mysteries that you want to uncover and learn more about as you're mm-hmm. reading it. And that says a lot. And and you're right. Like this is quite literally something we're in not to knock comic books by any stretch, obviously, but to say that this is, this is something that I can see novels being written mm-hmm. in this world, like very easily. I can see it. And I think it would be spectacular as well. So yeah, if you're not doing that marginally, get on it. <laughs> Because See, it's one of those things where this, especially the two of us can envision it so easily as a fantasy novel because the scope and the scale and yeah. the amount of detail here, it's something that previously I wouldn't have thought could be done well in a comic book, but we found a team that can really accomplish it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause a lot of it does have to do with the art as well. I mean, mm-hmm. the, they're able to convey so very much by the art of everything the the living world around the characters and yeah it's it's one of my favorites for a reason <laughs> all right uh, what have you got for us this week well the obvious one is batman teenage mutant ninja turtles i know that's why <laughs> i left it off my list <laughs> it's every issue is better than the last <laughs> <laughs> 
it really is. <laughs> the fact that they're playing pony racers on the bat <laughs> display. <laughs> <laughs> and that they hooked up his Xbox to it. <laughs> I thought that was priceless. But uh, again, the entire thing is building up to this wonderful climax of Batman now going up against these morphed villains of Gotham and and whatnot. It's, it's freaking awesome. <laughs> I love Commissioner Gordon's reaction to the turtles too. <laughs> very calm, very oh god, what what is going on now? <laughs> and that shot where the turtles show up and one of them is it's Leonardo is on the bat single and you see like the light streaming through him and it's like, oh my god. The art I, I, I is I need to insane. know how long it took to draw this mini This entire thing, yeah. Because there's no – This has to be something he's been working on for a while. Yeah, there's just – there's no way in hell that this was – this is being done on a monthly basis. If it is, I – they need to pay this 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 person more. This is William – what's his name again? Somebody uh, we've never heard of before. Yeah, yeah, which makes no sense. There's, there's no reason why this guy should not be – Getting freaking nominated for Eisner's, let's be honest. Because, yeah, maybe yeah this it's his launching pad to bigger and better things. Uh, art by well, Freddie E. Better, Williams II great. and colors by Jeremy Colwell. Uh, yeah, this is like spectacularly beautiful and it just has been ramping up so, so freaking well. But I mean, that's Tinian. We. I had faith in his abilities to write Batman stories really well, and now I have faith in him to write really good freaking Turtles stories as well. So, yeah, this was just so bloody good. The highest praise I think I can give any comic, Damien showed up and I didn't hate it. Yeah. In fact, it was kind of awesome. <laughs> That's pretty telling right there. I mean, he was still Damien, still completely insufferable. But his role in the story and the way the other characters played off him worked. Yeah. All right. The first issue of the new Moon Knight. Yes, I read that too. It's one of those things where I'm conflicted on because on one hand, I I like Moon Knight as a character. I think he's a character you could do some interesting things with. At the same time, we've done the Mark Spector is crazy story three or four different times in the past decade now. Because, let's be honest, Moon Knight doesn't sell comics, obviously. This is his, I think, fifth number one in the last, I want to say, eight years. And every time they, they bring in a new hotshot writer, I mean, look who's written him. Warren Ellis, Brian Bendis, now Jeff Lemire. I mean, there are some big heavy hitters that are coming in to write this character and doing interesting things with him, whether, you know, I wasn't a big fan of Bendis's stuff, but Ellis did amazing work there. But it's... Each one is such a different take while at the same time being kind of the exact same thing. That said, I did really like this issue. <laughs> that's, that's the thing, too. Is uh, It doesn't bother me as much because it's not like we're seeing it all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's every once in a while – a new series will come out and they, they, they try. So it's not like it's like all the bloody time. So it didn't bother me. And the other thing too, is that we don't have enough series dealing seriously with mental illness. So even though, yes, we've seen this before, 
to see it again as set up, I don't mind because it is shining a light on, again, mental illness and, and not making light of it, but explaining how it works into his character and, 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 and figuring out what's real and what isn't kind of thing. So they're, they are playing with it, obviously, but not in a way that I found kind of disrespectful or, or using it, but rather just this is who he is. So now what's real and what's not. And we need to kind of play with that in a way that's very disturbing for the lead character. And they pull that off. So I, I actually, I enjoyed it. I, and it made me look forward to the next issues. That's the best thing I can say about this. After reading the comic, as the reader, I don't know what's real. Yeah. I don't know how much of this is in his head or some crazy Egyptian supernatural stuff because for the character, either one can work. And it's probably going to end up being some weird combination of the two because I loved the panel of him wearing the bedsheet costume. Yes, yes. <laughs> it was it, – it, but it, and it plays in where when he's wearing the mask, you know, he can see them for who they truly are. But is that who they truly are or is he just off his meds at that point? They 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 – walked a very fine line between reality and surreal surreality and it, it was a very very effective issue like i said i really enjoyed the issue it's just the, the larger scope of what they've been doing with moon knight repeatedly i'm a little worried about i don't think surreality is a word it has to be if reality is a word surreality has to be a word and if not it is now it is. No, surreal. Uh, why did that come up? Surreality. And it sends it to surreal because something is surreal, not surreality. Right, but surreality is the noun form of the adjective. Well, maybe it is. It just really doesn't sound right. <laughs> it it doesn't because it's a very awkward word. But I, I want to say grammatically I'm in the right here. Okay. <laughs> Keep in mind you're arguing with a Frenchman about the, the English language and what is real and not. Okay. Yes, but you, I'm also arguing with the Frenchman that's been my editor for the better part of the last six years. You can get off your little soapbox there. <laughs> uh, did you read the latest uh, Injustice? Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't say that often when it comes to Injustice. But it is like, eh, I, I'm... I'm really not digging the Bizarro stuff anyways. Never like Bizarro anyways. One of the stupidest villains ever. But this stuff is just like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I kind of like it in that it's showing that there's not that much of a difference between oh, yeah. a twisted, warped version of Clark and actual Clark right now. Yeah, but that's and from a story purpose. I think it's serving what it what it's doing. Yeah, but that's a heavy-handed message. I mean, really heavy-handed delivery there. Because, it's a DC comic book. It's they've been heavy-handed for eighty years. Yes and no. There's been still a lot of subtlety in Injustice, I, which is I saying know. a lot. So a lot of things that are like Ooh. I'm not expecting subtlety from a Bizarro story. Well, okay, maybe there's that. I don't know. It just it did feel way too heavy-handed for me, and it was very much like oh, really seriously. Well, it, eh, it's a me. big contrast to the last few issues. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about it, which is again saying a hell of a lot for an Injustice for me. Mm -hmm. All right, one I know you haven't been reading, Hercules. No. 
of course I'm reading it because I love all, you know, the mythological stuff, especially when you blend it with the superheroes. And they've done a great job of really blending, you know, the concept of Hercules being the original superhero. And all the stuff they've done with him where he's been such a joke in the Marvel Universe for the last few years, and they've built that into the character. But as we saw in the first issue, a big part of the story they're telling with that character right now is his journey to sobriety and how he puts, you know, his debauchery and partying behind him to step up and be the hero that Hercules should be, you know, the the example that all the others follow to the point where now uh, they're amassing for this big battle against the modern gods, uh, him and Gilgamesh and uh, a few others that they've picked up along the way. So the night before battle, of course, they're having a huge party with wine and ale and they keep offering him drinks and he keeps turning it down. And you can see throughout the issue, like, he's, you know, he's questioning. So there's a scene where on the roof, he calls Iron Man. And that is such a brilliant pairing of how do you deal with this? How do you stay sober in the face of all this? And Stark flat out saying, I always don't. And it, like, really, really good stuff there. I mean, they end up pulling a 180. It's not actually Stark and, you know, leading Hercules down a potentially dark path. But I, I wasn't really expecting that. And it, it was pretty well executed. I, I, I appreciate that. Cool. And also <laughs> just the line, oh, you showed up. I got a text message from Hercules. How could I not show up? <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's next? Uh, I actually, away from comics and into the land of TV, have you been keeping up with uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I am so far behind. Oh, okay. I mean, I've, I've been keeping up with, like, the recaps, but I haven't actually been watching it. Okay, so there's no spoilers then. Yeah. All right, so... The whole thing that they've been doing with Ward kind of being gone, but not being gone. That's kind of the reason I haven't been watching. It. Yeah, because honestly, if it wasn't for the strength of everybody else in the show right now, I would kind of be not nearly as interested because, again, it's Ward. Really, I, I was happy when Coulson killed him, which is really a cold hearted thing to say, but it was he like dead for a commercial break. Yeah. It was like, Oh man, that'd be awesome. And then he's back. And what kills me is that this symbiote that's in him is just as much a jerk as Ward's. <laughs> like this is where you could tell Ward's the, the actor's lack of acting chops because he's basically playing himself the same character kind of thing again. It was like, Oh God. I still don't like you, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, I do like some of the other stuff that they're doing. The stuff that's been going on, while not nearly as much in the, the front as the, the rest, has been the stuff between May and her husband, who has become an inhuman kind of thing and right. has been slowly turning. And I love that actor, who, of course, I can't remember his name, but I love that dude. <laughs> um, he was in that lawyer show many, many years ago. Oh, yeah, ago that one. In the 80s. The one lawyer show. It was the original lawyer show, the real one. Anyway, shut up, dude. You know who I'm talking about. Why you got to be a Marty about it? <laughs> but uh, but anyway, so that's been an interesting kind of story, although not nearly as much. Um, but I, and I'm trying to remember, did we talk about the send off for Bobby and what's his name when it happened? 
I don't think we did. No, we, we haven't talked about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. since, I think, the mid-season finale. Because that's one of the things that I had wanted to talk about when we'd watched it. And I honestly, I can't remember why I didn't bring it up. But, you know, th- did you watch that episode? I, I have not watched an episode since it started back up. Okay. See, oh, damn it. Now I'm going to have to look up their names. What's a uh, Bobby's boyfriend, husband? Hunter. Hunter, yeah. Well, in in um, one episode... Well, it was leading up to it, obviously. But Bobby and Hunter were going into Russia somewhere. I can't remember where. But it was, again, leading up with the Inhumans and the main Malik dude who was wanting to set them all up. And yak, yak, yak. They wind up getting caught by the uh, the military in, in Russia. And because she winds up shooting a high-ranking general or whatever who's actually corrupt, obviously. and um, But they get burned. And they make the decision that, that they can't run away from this. They made a choice and and that's it. And Coulson goes over. And again, they have to be careful because S.H.I.E.L.D. still doesn't exist. It does, but nobody knows and they, they don't want to be admitting to that. And he is willing to get them out and they're saying, no, you can't do that without exposing S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and, and all kinds of other stuff. And so they made their choice that that's it. So they get burned. And that's why they're not in the show anymore. And there's one episode, the send off, which has them in the the bar having having drinks, and then slowly they start getting drinks brought to them by them by the the waitress saying so and so, and they look over and there's one of whether it's Fitz or Simmons or all of the other um, agents are there in separate places, and they have a spy send off for them. And it's just a silent toast and then everybody leaves and that's their way of saying goodbye. That episode was so profound, especially that ending, that and so well done. Like, I mean, you can see that the actors were saying goodbye to friends as well mm-hmm. because, like, they're getting teary, at, especially oh, – <sighs> One day you'll be this old and hopefully not this medicated, but if so, you'll understand. The name of the big black dude. Um, yeah. Oh, what the hell is his name? Ridiculously handsome, great voice. <laughs> that guy. And uh, and he was really, really good friends, especially with Bobby. The scene where – and he stays behind. And I he, want to say Mac, but he – Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It is Mac. Yeah. It is Mac. That's right. They, they faked killing him off. Um, yeah, he's a great actor. He was in NYPD Blue as well, if I'm not mistaken, way back in the day. Um, anyways, he uh, he's the last one to to give a toast to them, and then and and I mean, he is like choking up, and you feel it. It's like, oh my god! But that just that scene alone was worth the season. It was that bloody good, like just spectacular. Hmm. So, all right, what else you got? All right. Darth Vader continues to impress and excel and improve with each successive issue. At at this point, I don't just want a triple zero MBT comic. I need a series, a movie. They need to be like the stars of episode eight, the triple zero (laughs) leading the charge of the droids. By far the best character in the history of Star Wars at this point. <laughs> I am wondering, I'm wondering, A, how much leeway 
the Marvel writers have for creating new characters that are un- enough. <laughs> undoubtedly canon as well. Like, I mean, it would be great if some of these characters were in fact used in the movies wherein they can stand on their own and everybody, even if they've never read the comics, will be will love them. But for anyone like us who have read and love the comics all along, seeing these on the screen, like you're saying, would just be spectacular, would just be amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we need, I agree, we need more. Like I, like a freaking Star Wars Rebel like series with this team. There's no reason they can't do it. Mm-hmm. And it would be amazing. It would be great, especially <laughs> if they could pull off a Deadpool kind of thing <laughs> where it's a lot harsher. <laughs> like, really make it a cartoon for adults with these characters. I would actually pay money for that. <laughs> I would support that on Kickstarter, okay? <laughs> yeah, so Disney, put that on Kickstarter. <laughs> Seriously, do it. <laughs> I will back that. <laughs> but at the same time, Vader continues to be an absolute badass in every way. And seeing his influence on the new queen of whatever the hell that planet was and seeing her kind of rise into that imperial mindset was, I mean, terrible, but very cool to see at the same time. And again, how many great last pages has the series had in 19 issues? If not 19, damn close. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, what's his name? The investigator showing up at the end was great. I And now, I, again, I can't wait for the next issue. Yeah, I agree. And what's funny is that, and we're both in the same boat, we like Star Wars, but we're not fanatics about it. Neither of us, well, I know <laughs> I don't. We don't exactly have cosplay costumes for Star Wars in our closets, you know. But this is something that, really, at least for me, really surprised me in not just how good it is, but how excited I am to read every next issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this none of the Star Wars series are what I would have expected before they came out. I figured they were just going to be safe, simple stories, but not, none of them have been that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You got another? Staying with TV, just because there's been some interesting things. Um, the uh, The stuff that's been going on in Supergirl is kind of cool because we're getting more kind of throwbacks to various things that have been in different series, be it Supergirl or or even in some cases Superman or, or, or whatever. But the stuff that's going on now is leading up to the big obvious climax and it's got her going up against, oh, what the hell's his name? The the dude that was with her her aunt who was also in the, the dark, Phantom Zone, whatever the hell they call it, Negative Zone. Um, but yeah, it's been leading up to that. <laughs> I, I'm of no help on this one. Yeah, well, whatever. It's 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 funny because, like, again, I, I enjoy the show because of a lot of the uh, throwbacks to a variety of different series kind of thing. Like having John Jones in it is just awesome. Would I have thought that they would have had put John Jones in a Supergirl series? You know, no, not really, because he's not tied to that in the comic books. And yet it fits so well 
in the series. And again, we're seeing a lot more of him now as he's trying to help fighting against what, what's going on with the, the other Kryptonians that are there. It's for all of the good that it does. It also does a lot of cliched stuff, which has been at points really enjoyable still, because again, it's a cliche. Sometimes it's just fun and it's just, you know, tongue in cheek kind of stuff. I mean, in case in point, um, what's her name? The, the woman who plays a um, uh, uh, cat, uh, Allie McBeal. Okay. What's her face? Uh, Callista Flockhart. Flockhart. She, her scene where she intros in is saying, making a joke against Harrison Ford that she does not want to do an interview. She doesn't want to have anything to do with him. Tell him to leave me alone, kind of thing. Ah ha ha. She's and I told my wife, is she's married to Harrison Ford? She went really? I went yeah. So, okay. So there's a little kind of funny tongue in cheek stuff, but I haven't been as crazy with where the storyline is going overall. Again, with the the Kryptonian stuff, it was kind of more interesting when it was her aunt because it was that direct familiar bond. Whereas now it's kind of the aunts. I don't know if they were ever married or not. I think so. I'm trying to remember if he refers to her as his wife or not. But anyways, so it hasn't been nearly as interesting. The only saving grace for it so far has really been the uh, the relationship with John Jones. So it's really cool that they actually decided to toss that in. And, I mean, depending on where they go from here, I don't – I'm at a point where I'm almost ready to call it if it doesn't get much better. So I've heard the season finale is a bit of a dud. Uh, well, it's leading up to it. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to have something that's spectacularly interesting if it's just the entirety of the city has been mind controlled. Okay, whatever. So there's really. What are you talking about? It's been the basis of dozens of fantastic Superman stories. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then they've kind of got Brainiac in there, but it's not Brainiac. It's a female Brainiac who's kind of being flirtatious and stuff too. And you're going like, wow, that doesn't really kind of fit. What the hell? (laughs) So (laughs) it's doing a few things right that are fun to watch, but it's also doing some stuff that's just plain stupid. Yeah. Well, the last one I have for us this week is the new Godzilla comic, Godzilla Oblivion, which even by my standards was freaking dumb. (laughs) The whole setup for this series is... Somehow, some scientist has created a device that allows them to step into other dimensions. And much like in every terrible sci-fi movie ever, they decide to test it right away with all of the top personnel going through the portal. Because that's a thing that you do. And of course, they end up in a universe that has been ravaged by Godzilla, and one of the monsters follows them home. Again, even by my standards, for a Godzilla story... This was pretty dumb, and the fact that the art was not that great didn't help. Like, if you're going to draw giant monsters destroying cities, I'll probably read your comic if it looks really cool at least, and this didn't even do that. Right. And you have anything else for us? Just lastly, I know I've mentioned this a few times, but I've I'm nearly done the um, Star Wars Dark Disciple from uh, Christy Golden, mm-hmm. and it's been taking me a little bit longer because, again, I've... I don't sit down to just power read through novels that often. And more often than not, if I do, it's on my iPad. So I've gotten really spoiled by my iPad. Actually carrying around <laughs> a novel now is like, damn it, I got to go get the book. I forgot it downstairs. So anyways, this in typical Chrissy Golden fashion, this novel is amazing. Like just for our comics reading fans, uh, who's Christy Golden? 
Chrissy Golden writes a lot of novels for known IPs such as Star Trek, Star Wars, World of Warcraft. She has written, I think it's fair to say, the best World of Warcraft novels. And even if you are not playing that game, the novels are so well written. And we talk about world building. Regardless of what you think of the game, the 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 world that has been created is so rich and diverse and, and well-written that if you can get a writer who knows what they're doing to write a good story, you're going to wind up with something absolutely spectacular. Even some of the stuff that she's written for characters that I thought I would not like because I didn't like those characters, I thought, oh, this is going to be horrible. And the one that comes to mind is, of course, um, the one of The Trial which I'm looking where it's supposed to be in my shelf and it's not there, which means I put it somewhere else because <laughs> I have it. Where the hell is it? Anyways, um, but yeah, that the one that she wrote of the trial for um, for Garage, I thought it would be stupid and I'd hate it. I loved it. She's just a spectacular writer. And this here has got Ventress, which is a character that was a, a, a main character in the Clone Wars and a character that was not a Jedi named Voss. And there's a lot, obviously, that happens between the two of them and everything else. The story is just amazing. And she understands telling a story of a character that has fallen. And it's not even about always whether or not they'll rise again. Sometimes, no, they just fall. And and that's just reality kind of thing. And I, I really don't want to spoil a lot of it, but it's, it's just amazingly well-written. And I cannot recommend this enough, even if you are not, again, a massive Star Wars fan like us, but you enjoy a good story and a good world-building kind of environment, then that's that's this. And then... What's funny is that as I'm reading it, because there's moments where while Kenobi and Skywalker, because this is, again, right around the tail end of Clone Wars, they're not main characters here. They're in it periodically, but they're not main characters. But they're written, you see the characters from Clone Wars perfectly. You hear those voice actors in their lines because she nails the dialogue. She always has. That's the other thing, too. But like case in point, there was one scene with Skywalker and and um, what's her name? Uh, his, his wife. Um, oh my god. Anyway. Oh, Padme. Padme. Yes. And I'm reading the scene, and I'm thinking, like, why is this in here? It makes no sense. It really should have been cut out. And and I'm, but as I'm thinking that, I'm thinking she has her reasons. It'll show up, no doubt, later on, and it, there'll be a reason why it was there and it wasn't. And sure enough, by the end of the chapter, you're going, ah, okay, I see what you did. Yeah, it fits perfectly. And then you see a little bit more of Skywalker after that point at various points, too. But like, there was a moment in here that I have not felt reading a book where I quite literally laugh out loud a lot. <laughs> and I can blame some of that on the meds, but not all. <laughs> <laughs> but like there's a scene where um Kenobi and Skywalker are trying to uh break in to a uh, where there's a, a whole bunch of I don't think it's not necessarily Vader who's there I'm trying to remember now. No, uh, Dooku's there. And there's a whole bunch of 
the forces there that they, they have to try to be sneaky and kind of get in. So they're, they're literally hiding behind the seats and in the seats, the two seats piloting the, the ship are the robots, which we see tons of in Clone Wars, right. th- those fighter ones. You can even, you probably can hear their voices in your head right now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can. And so, and they hacked them so that they can make them talk and say whatever, as they're saying it, the robots say, so that they can pass through whatever checkpoints and whatnot. And so at one point, Kenobi is like, this is a horrible plan. And again, We've watched the Clone Wars, love the freaking Clone Wars, and you really appreciate the dynamics between the two characters. And at one point when he's talking to Skywalker, Skywalker starts talking to him, but through the robot. <laughs> so he's arguing like the robot and Kenobi are talking. And at one point he he does one of those, Roger, Roger. <laughs> and I burst out laughing. And then they keep talking for a little bit longer. And then he's just about to do the Roger, Roger again. And Kenobi cuts him off. It's, Don't stop right now. Don't. <laughs> and it was a belly laugh. It was so well done. So yeah, anyways, anybody who's not reading it, it's called uh, Star Wars Dark Disciple by uh, Christy Golden. And phenomenal, phenomenal book. Help support this, this writer. All right, then. Well, I think we're ready for this week's new releases then. Marvel has a pretty big lineup for us this week with all new Hawkeye number six, Captain America Sam Wilson number eight, Captain Marvel number four, Deadpool number 10, Extraordinary X-Men number nine, Mighty Thor number six, New Avengers number 10, Nova number six, Obi-Wan and Anakin number four, Power Man and Iron Fist number three, and Spider-Man Deadpool number four. All that really caught my eye from DC, we have Action Comics 51 and Flash number 50. From Image, the greatest comic of the week, Chew, Demon Chicken Pollo. (laughs) I knew he couldn't say that. (laughs) East of West number 25, Invincible number 127, and Tokyo Ghost number 6. IDW, Back to the Future number 7, Star Trek Manifest Destiny number 1, a new miniseries they're putting out, as well as the final issue of Star Trek Starfleet Academy with number 5, and Transformers number 52, and finally, Bloodshot Reborn number 12 from Valiant. So that's going to wrap us up here at Comic Book Informer. As always, you can find us on Twitter at CB Informer or our website at comicbookinformer.com or you should probably even go to allcomicsconsidered.com no, not and after leave these. them some comments about how <laughs> we're the better podcast because we all know the truth. And until next week. Check out Comic listening. Book Informer when you just need to hear that angry old man rant. They're assholes. <laughs> Why do we get the feeling a lot of the comments were about you? That's Hey, that could, that could apply to you. There's, listen... If you want to learn more about comic books, do not listen to Comic Book Informer. It's just two old white dudes complaining about how comics used to be. That's not even true, Marty. No. <laughs> because every time we talked about how comics used to be, we realized it sucked. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.